Previously on the Jay and Dan podcast. Mm-hmm. Have you ever sweat so much you couldn't find a single dry spot of the bed? Before I get to that point, I maybe get up and shower. Mm-hmm. If you want to feel like the dumbest you've ever felt in your life, go into an escape room. Mm-hmm. They're just like, what's this? What's this? Is there a key here? I don't know what's going on. So the people are coming back every two seconds. They're like, no, you guys are doing great. And I'm like, no, we aren't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. That pizza was not fundamentally sound. It was broken. <laughs> it was broken It was pizza. broken pizza. Mm-hmm. Whenever she brings out the glare, she's like, daddy. But I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Kill somebody. <laughs> so, stuff. Yes. Can we get an extra banana pepper? One per box. Well, maybe <laughs> he got taken for a ride. You're listening to the Jay and Dan podcast. Face deep in a Big Mac at that point. Dance. Dance. Yeehaw! <laughs> That's from last week. I yeah. figure we just add on to it every week. Nice, that thank is you. great. Uh, crack this yerbs, yerba mate. Mm-hmm. We're uh, done January, January 27th, 2020. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the uh, day after the great one's birthday. The great one. Wayne Gretzky? 59. He'll be 60 next year. Wow. Crazy, right? Actually, I thought he was older. I thought he was in his 60s already. And then also celebrating birthday, producer Tim, who I want to say will be 50 next year. Yowzers! I'm not 100% <laughs> sure. I'm going to text him right now, see if he'll get back to me. To confirm. <laughs> no chance. He is the worst text responder on earth. He really is. He's just awful. Now, it could just be that he doesn't want to talk to us. I mean, there's that theory. Mm. Hey, guess what I did this weekend for the first time ever? It's the newest rage. I went to went my first, to a rave. No, I've been to one of those before. I went to a baby gender reveal party. Nice. <laughs> I was hoping to do it, no matter what the sex of the baby was when they popped the balloon. I was going to go boo. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted a boy. It was a girl. I tell you. If you're having a boy in the next year or two, it's going to be one boy to every 10 girls. Okay. There's a lot of girls out there. I know a lot of girls. I know at least eight people pregnant with girls. So if you're in the Orono area and you're going to put No, these people are Toronto. These were Toronto and it was a girl at the baby reveal party too. So eight people. In. <laughs> I love your scientific, uh, <laughs> I love the way you analyze things. I, it's possible, though. So it's a girl. <laughs> so how was that gender reveal party? Well, it took place at a bar, so it was great. That's a great idea. I love that idea because talk about thinking outside the box. Everyone always does it in the backyard or something. Or it's boring. What color are the cupcakes? Oh, they're pink. What did they do? Did they pop a balloon or something? They popped a balloon. Yeah. And uh, that mess was still there when we left. (laughs) Confetti everywhere. Well, you guys probably spent a good amount of money. Yeah, we did okay. You guys probably uh, put a few back. How about the the mother-to-be? Was she tipping back a few pints of Guinness? No, I didn't know. Mary was uh, very excited. She was in tears. So I guess she's happy that she's having a girl. She 
she must have known. She didn't know. Wow. Or unless she's a great actress. That's, that's really something. Because usually... Like, we did kind of a gender reveal video, but we knew already. We were just doing that for, for everybody else. Mm. That's interesting. Hmm. Well, that's nice. Good for her. Is that their first? It is their first. Oh, boy. Here we go. Did you give them any... I am so fired up. Did you give them any parental advice? <laughs> no. Was I supposed to bring a present? I don't think so. Do okay, a gender reveal party? No. I don't think so. Uh, I don't know. What do you think, Stoff? I don't think so. I don't so. know. I've never been, but I don't I don't think, think so. It's not a baby shower. Right? No. I mean, yeah, exactly. No, you're good there. Okay, I think. Good. I think you're you're off the hook, so to speak. Perfect. I think you uh you're fine. You're just fine. Um We're gonna have a, our guest on here in a sec. Uh when are we calling him? In five minutes. In five minutes. Our friend you Robert it. said it. She's been on this podcast before. We, have, we haven't talked to Robert on this podcast for a long, long time. That's right. Um, he, he's written a book on Tiger Woods. He's from Australia. He now lives in L.A. So mm-hmm. we are going to go to him for three different topics. Tiger Woods this past weekend. Kobe Bryant's passing in L.A. And the Aussie Fires. Because he has direct knowledge of all three. Yes. And his house, very close to the crash site where Kobe and his daughter, unfortunately, passed. And that's how I found out about the news, because we're on a text chain with Robert, and Robert uh, sent us uh, that message, and I was just like, no. I I thought he was sending us, someone had reported on it, saying like, look at this outlandish tweet. But it was a real tweet. Well, I, I saw our... TSN Instagram posted it, and I thought, I literally thought, oh, someone f***ed up so bad. I think someone's going to get fired for this. Because I thought they made a mistake. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the erroneous reporting was rampant. Yeah. Um, everybody trying to catch up to TMZ. Uh TMZ off, operates by a different set of rules, so maybe don't try to catch up to TMZ reporting things before the families are informed. Um, that was a first. So we did our our uh, our sports center program last night, and that was the first time. And I've worked here since two thousand two. You've worked here since two thousand one. That's the first time we've ever done an entire sports center on one person. Yes, ever. And at first, we we always have a a conference call several hours before the show kind of go over what's going to be on the show and g-bone producer tim wasn't working because it was his birthday G- producer g-bone said you know i think the show's going to be all kobe and at first i was kind of like well it's not going to be all kobe you know he got tiger was at you know at the golf and um you know there's the other bat the basketball games were being played mm-hmm. but yeah, just as soon as you got closer and closer to going on air, you realized, yeah, this is going to be all about Kobe. And we did show Tiger, but it was just Tiger's caddy telling Tiger what had happened. Yeah, Tiger had a comment on that five minutes after learning about it, after coming off a golf course. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, once we rolled into work and saw all the reaction from around sports, like it's, it was global reaction. We're like, we just got to air all this, all of this. And very quickly, going back to Tiger, that's the most genuine I've ever seen Tiger mm-hmm. reacting. Uh, to his credit, he did react to it. He, he did the interview, you know, just moments after finding out he's a lifelong Laker fan, apparently. And 
he did the interview you know immediately upon finding out and that was the most genuine real i've ever heard tiger ever the most unrehearsed tiger i've ever heard it was i mean it's unfortunate that it came in such a tragic circumstance but i'd never spoke very well i thought i i've never seen outpouring of reaction from athletes like that ever and nick nurse was on the guys with overdrive today the raptors coach and he commented on playing that game he said he was in in a daze during the game he was like he he was talking to uh, personnel. He was talking to players, just trying to get them through it. He was talking to game operations people in San Antonio, trying yeah. to help them. Well, Austin Rivers, uh, Doc Rivers' son, you know, he was really eloquent. You know, he said there was times he played yesterday. He said, "I got to be honest, I spaced out half the time. I wasn't even concentrating on the game. How could they really? They're all, you know." Someone said it best. You know, for my generation, it was all Jordan. For the guys playing now, it's it's Kobe. Kobe was their guy, or maybe Allen Iverson, you know. But but Kobe was definitely up there, mm-hmm. you know. And so yeah, just and especially the guys who grew up in Southern California, you know, your Demar Derozans and your Paul Georges and such. So yeah, it's uh, Kawhi Leonard's. It's pretty, still pretty shocking that it uh, that it happened. And the Lakers and Clippers, they were supposed to play Tuesday night at Staples Center, but they they canceled that, which is the right decision. Because, again, you think of all the people. Kobe played there for 20 years. Imagine yeah. the front office personnel, oh, uh, yeah. the people selling the popcorn, the, the ushers, uh, players, everyone, parking attendants. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I, mean, like, just, I, I see this guy all the time. Absolutely. Yeah. He, he was around yeah, for two decades. It's, uh, it's pretty crazy. Um, producer Tim, on a lighter note, is confirming next year he turns 50. The big 5-0. Okay, we're going to have to do something special. What should we do for producer Tim for his 50th? Let's spitball us. Um, an all-expenses-paid trip to Orno. So then you would ha- have to hang out with him No. Okay, because if you... If we... Take producer Tim to Orno. We're dropping him off at your house, and there's just the two of you hanging out <laughs> okay. all day Scratch for his 50th. That. Uh, we'll go back to the uh Well, the let's ask Robert Lucetich, our good friend uh, on the line from Los Angeles. Robert, producer Tim, our long-suffering producer, turns 50 next year, and we're, we're trying to decide what we, should, uh, what we should do with him. Any suggestions? Um, I don't know. I mean, 50... Uh, is an amazing. Uh, I can't believe he's fifty. By <laughs> yeah. the way, yeah, I, I can't believe he's fifty. Uh, neither can has we. He, has he uh, since he's been back in Toronto? Has he has he left the house uh, <laughs> to come to work? Uh, yeah, it's ba- just to come to work, right? Ba- well, to but come not- to work or to walk outside to crush a dart. <laughs> uh, that's basically it. <laughs> And, and maybe complain about the weather. Yeah, he's he's pretty. He's but more <laughs> he's about the, the the thing is he complains about the traffic. Yes, but he lives in a part of this city that is not remotely convenient. Put it, I'll give it a LA geographical perspective. It would be like someone living in Thousand Oaks complaining about working in Redondo Beach. <laughs> you know, it's like well then just oh, move boy. to Redondo Beach. <laughs> So, oh boy, this why is what, would you do that? Right, to you? right. Why would you? You know. So yeah, that's yeah, oh, him. Yeah, that's just. Yeah. But he is he is long suffering, producer Tim. He is, but a lot of that suffering is self inflicted. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> 
<laughs> we're going deep. Yeah. Deep oh, on the podcast. big time. So, big Robert, time. we were uh, mentioning how... Anyway, gentlemen, good to good to talk to you guys. Oh, yeah. Yes. And be on the podcast again. It's been a long time. And it's been too long. Too bad it's on a sad note. And uh, I mentioned how you were the one who, in our text chain, let me know. That's the first I heard about uh, Kobe's passing. And we mentioned a bit earlier here on the podcast, you were very close to the crash site. Yeah, no, it was a, a probably, I probably live a bit, maybe like four miles away. Um, yeah, no, it's very close. And what was, what I, what I sort of surprised me was I woke up after a very nice day. Uh, we've had a little, little bit of what might pass for not winter in Canada, but you know, winter in Southern California. And then it was a nice day. And then I, I woke up Sunday and I thought, wow, it's really foggy. So that was strange to see so much fog, and uh, I think ultimately that's we're going to, you know, we're going to discover that that was the the, the cause of of the crash that uh, claimed those nine lives, including Kobe. And you know, there's going to be a lot of questions about about the the helicopter itself. But the interesting thing, you know, when we were kind of discussing it on on this text chain, we have is private helicopters. It's kind of like the Wild West in terms of the rules because the LAPD helicopters had all been grounded. Yeah, that's true. That's true. They did, and um, they were concerned about the safety. Um, I Yes, I agree with you. I, it, it, it's definitely not the same standards that you would get, uh, you know, with, with uh, fixed-wing aircraft. So, um, you know, but that said, I'm just assuming, and again, I don't know, the details but i've no I, I know that kobe has had a helicopter for years yeah and he chooses to live down on the newport coast which uh you know is, is if you had to deal with the traffic to get to you know staples center on a friday it would probably take you two hours and yeah he just you know didn't want to deal with it so he he you know he's been doing this back and forth for a, a very long time and obviously you know i just recently by the way went on a helicopter for the first time I was down in Australia in, in December, and um, it was a great experience. But I went, I got on the thing in a blue skies. You could see everything. You know, I, obviously this was very different because of the the fog. Um, Robert, you're on the ground in L.A. We mentioned how last night that was the first time in our history doing our show that we concentrated on one person the entire show. You've covered major events. You covered uh, O.J. Simpson. You covered Tiger Woods. Uh, does anything come close to this as for the magnitude of a death of an athlete just recently retired? Yeah, I, I actually more equate it to the death of Princess Diana and because it was so sudden, it was so out of the blue, and there was, there, there, it was a, a beloved figure. You know, so you've got a, a, a figure that's very popular with people, and, you know, Kobe had a little bit of a tortured relationship with L.A. when Shaq was here because, obviously, the two of them, most Lakers fans would have wished that they'd just stayed together. Yeah. But their personalities were such that that wasn't going to happen. So so Kobe did take a bit of stick um, from Lakers fans back then for Shaq leaving and breaking up the team, as it were, breaking up the the, the band, and he t- and he did also take a little bit of stick for the you know the last his last couple of years. He obviously had a big contract, and the team was terrible. So 
you know, I think that whenever someone retires, there's, there's a neutrality that you might have not had when they were playing that you feel. And I think that for most people, Kobe Bryant, 41 years old, they, they remembered the good things. And there was this incredible outpouring today, I, I have to say. I mean, uh, the public outpouring in Los Angeles today was, was really significant. I mean, just thousands of people just changing their day to go and remember him in, in a public way. So um, he, he clearly had a huge impact on the city of Los Angeles, the Lakers, obviously, but the city of Los Angeles. He, was, he, was, he ended up being their guy, and maybe there were times when he wasn't. And, that, you know, I'd love to get into that a little bit more. You know, you, you touched on it. The Shaq-Kobe Lakers had a chance to rack up several more titles, and I think that really bothered Lakers fans that, like you alluded to, the perception out of there was that Kobe was kind of the hard ass and Shaq just kind of couldn't tolerate it anymore. And Yeah, yeah, right. I think so. And I think that Phil Jackson was stuck in the middle. And it was it was it was just a dysfunctional relationship, and it, in the end, Shaq just didn't want to continue to say, "Why doesn't this guy pass me the ball?" Yeah, and I mean, you know. So again, the, the, there's only so many shots you can have in a game. The thing about Kobe, I think that in a way, separated him, and maybe from from almost anyone, perhaps not Jordan, but. He was just willing to take the shot with the game on the line. And maybe there's other guys that are willing to do that, and there have been. Uh, not looking at you, CP3, but some, some, some guys make more shots than they miss, and he was one of those guys. But he wasn't scared to take the shot. And um, I think that, you know, back then he was still younger. He was still perhaps not as mature as he became as he got older. I mean, Michael, J- Michael Jordan, you've got to remember, you know, his first number of years in the league, it, he was just trying to win every game by himself. And it was only when he realized that, you know, you've got to play basketball as a team that they became the Chicago Bulls. And I think in a lot of ways, the second coming of Kobe was, uh, was, was pretty remarkable because he did have that maturation. Something that uh, happened to Kobe in retirement is... Um he became a mentor. Uh, I, we've heard so many stories about how he would reach out to current players, how he would reach out to uh, strangers online. Um, he would stop at car accidents and help people. He was a big advocate for uh, women's basketball with his daughter uh, being immersed in the game. So the, the competitive fire was put to a side he, he, because he was probably uh, a bully to some former teammates because they didn't compete as hard as he did in practice. But in retirement, he became almost a new Kobe. Yeah, and I think that's part of the reason why Tulsi, his his legacy is a lot softer than it might have been. Yeah, in the in the sense that there was a bit, there's a bit more, there's a bit more love for him. Um, I don't know if either of you guys have seen Kobe Bryant's Muse, the uh, Showtime documentary done here in the United States a few years ago, but really really watch that because I watched it just thinking, yeah, whatever, you know, PR exercise probably. And I was really, really riveted by the honesty and the rawness of him when he talks about the, it actually made me think about Tiger Woods, 
who's a guy that obviously I wrote a book about. But one of the things that I felt about Tiger was after the scandal, he needed some way to protect himself when he was playing from the slings and arrows of of, of the galleries and the the hurtful things that they might have might have been saying. And Kobe exactly anticipated that because he felt it in the preseason after his his rape trial and he decided that there was no way that Kobe Bryant could deal with this so he created this character this alter ego the black mamba and i remember in this documentary where he looks straight in the camera and he said you know i needed the black mamba because the black mamba don't give a f-. and that you know no matter what anyone says he didn't care and if you're in his way he was just going to get by you and he created that character and in a lot of ways tiger woods did not and tiger woods felt the the slings and arrows of of that were hurled at him and it cost him in a lot of ways until obviously recently but he that evolution was a lot different to kobe's kobe's evolution was much more i think what i would you know have expected from michael jordan who would have just said you know, what scandal? I'll drop a double mm-hmm. nickel on the Knicks on Thursday night. Yeah. And no one's talking about the scandal anymore. And we were just talking about when, you know, Tiger's caddy, the cap, the cameras captured Tiger's caddy telling him about Kobe's death. And then five, literally five minutes later, Tiger's being interviewed about it. That's the most honest, most unrehearsed I've ever seen Tiger. That That moment, because he didn't have time to get in his own head and you know how i mean you've written books about him you know how he talks you know he thinks it's all rehearsed it's all calculated and and i really appreciated his kind of sort of raw unrehearsed honesty about what was unfortunately a tragic event about someone that he was close to but we really got to see i think a real tiger there i guess just sort of the continuing evolution of tiger as a person post tiger scandal yeah, no, absolutely, um, Jay. I think you you, you nailed it uh, pretty pretty well uh, there. The tiger at at this age is is just a different tiger, and and um, he wins differently, but he also behaves differently. He's, I think he, I think that there was there were that ten year period there where he he had to do a lot of growing up, and not just growing up, but I mean, you know, one thing that is not. You know, he doesn't want to talk about it, and I, I understand why he doesn't want to talk about it, but I believe that, you know, the reality is that Tiger had uh, a dependency on, on prescription drugs, and I think that DUI for him was rock bottom. The the fact that that video of, of, of him basically, uh, you know, borderline semi-conscious, uh, looked like he was high as a kite um, in, the, in the Florida prison was so embarrassing for him that it was rock bottom and he i don't think it's a coincidence that since that dui the 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 um, uptick in the tiger woods career has been tremendous because i think you know as as david ferrity who's had his battled his own demons uh, many men i'm sure many of your listeners know of i mean ferrity said to me one time you know it's like it's hard to play golf when there's doors slamming in your head and um and and that's what tiger went through and uh, certainly he is a different character now and i think that he in many ways uniquely 
was close with with Kobe and because, you know obviously he was from LA he's, well, he's from Southern California but um, was a big Laker fan and you know the first thing out of Tiger's mouth was about Kobe's fire and that's what Tiger's always I think valued even though you know he's been for me certainly the best iron player I've ever seen greatest putter great short game um, what separated Tiger was his will, his just will to decimate the field. And Kobe Bryant had the exact same uh, fire within, you know, and I think they recognized each other in that way. How's Tiger's game look? Um, kind of uh, golf took a back seat on Sunday once the, the Kobe news came out, but uh, Tiger finished inside the top 10? He did, yeah. No, I, look, I mean, I, I'm personally still just not shocked but I'm, I'm really surprised at how he's been able to find the fellow he used to be and it, it's it's been uh it was a lot of years you know and somehow he's found who he used to be and he's back uh, now he's not back that he can win every week like he used to but remember that no one ever did that no yeah, one ever right. ever did what he did so you're comparing him to his younger self, and that's unfair. But as if you look around at the competition today, I don't think there's anyone, if anyone knows anything about the game of golf, there's no way that they would discount Tiger Woods in any tournament he enters. And that wasn't the case for a number of years. So, um, you know, I've, I, I'm very impressed with how he's bounced back, not only as a golfer, but, you know, as a, as, as a human and, um, I think that, you know, he's definitely a better human for the experience he went through in a way. Um, you know, you need to know what you were so you can compare it to something. And, and certainly, uh, you know, he did that. And, uh, you know, I look at this year and I think there's no reason to think Tiger Woods is not going to win majors. You know who else has that fire, but maybe a little too much fire? Your uh, your fellow countryman, Nick Kyrgios. He's uh, he's crazy. <laughs> oh boy, he's a oh, he's boy. a fascinating. Yeah. I I love him though. I like, he's great for the game of tennis. He's you know he is good for the game. I think that you know look. I mean, I mean, this is kind of perhaps a controversial viewpoint, but I think that it's a cop out. The, the a lot of what he does is a cop out because. He's flashes of brilliance, loses his composure, does something stupid, and then what happens? Nadal wins in four sets. It's this is the the, the story of his career in a lot of ways. He is he's a he's he's a flashy player. He knows he is. He's got all the talent in the world, but you know he doesn't. I don't think uh, you know. I, I, I covered tennis for years, and I remember interviewing Federer. And Federer said to me, the, re- the day that I became, uh, you know, a top-class player was the day I was playing a Davis Cup tie for Switzerland against Australia. And he said, I was playing Leighton Hewitt, who I, he'd played all through the juniors. And Hewitt, they had one set each. And Federer said to himself, if I don't win the third set, I'm not winning this because I just don't have the stomach to deal with him for the next two hours. And essentially... After that, which he, you know, and he, he did lose that match. But after that, he said to himself, if I'm going to be anybody, I have to give everything I have. And, uh, you know, and, and 
these are the this is what separates the greats. You know, I mean, you know, Gretzky so you, was a great worker. I mean, the the, the, the great ones were, know how to work. Nick, and that goes back to Kobe, me, right? He reminds me of. He, well, he reminds and and Kobe. You know, Nick is uh, unfortunately from the Australian line of. Mark Philippoussis, who's uh, <laughs> about as lazy an individual as I've ever encountered, you know. Uh, here's a good Philippoussis story, uh, which was told to me by Wally Masur, who was a, a, a coach, who was a good player himself, but was a coach in the Australian system. When they were juniors, they would send them running around Melbourne through, through, the, through the park in the middle of the city. And, uh, you know, for many times, Philippoussis would finish first. And I'd always think, well, you know, this guy's got a great run. He's a good runner. But what he was doing was he was going into the toilet block, waiting for 40 minutes, splashing <laughs> water on his face, waiting for the rest of them to show up, and then he got in front of him and ran, sprinted home, right? Classic <laughs> so, Philippoussis right that there. Is, that is Nick. <laughs> uh, that is uh, Mark Philippoussis. And uh, I just think Nick is too much, you know, I mean, he's got to overcome a lot of demons. Well, he's also said, like, most of the times he just doesn't give a shit. Like, he's like, ah, I didn't feel like trying. So, yeah. I know, but the, but Toolsy, that's a cop out too. Oh yeah, you know, for it's, sure. It's 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 all a cop out. It's just too. I, I've been watching this kid for a long time, and it's just you know he's on the verge of doing something special, and he just he's a self sabotager, and I think we all know people like that. You know, it's uh, it's sad. It's sad because mm-hmm. his talent is through the roof. Yeah, it's and definitely there. Of talent being through the roof. I just want you two to know that I'm sitting here. In the compound, the whip compound. Oh boy! And it is Greg Goad's birthday. What tomorrow? So we're having a little pre-birthday celebration. Oh, oh. a little, some, a little, few cocktails, maybe. Toolsy, your, uh, t- you know, your your handprints still on the <laughs> shower door. Oh, here. What's, spent, what's going on with that? We spent uh, a week there one night, I think. <laughs> <laughs> you did spend a week here one night. You did. <laughs> um, hey, Robert, um, how are things in your homeland? Oh, you know, um, very, very difficult, obviously. Um, everyone in Australia has been touched in some way by, by these bushfires. Um, it's, it's very tragic, even down to, you know, elderly people in the cities, which are clearly not going to burn. But uh, the, the, the air quality is so bad um, that it's, it's very difficult for people to even go outside that have you know, breathing issues. Um, and, you know, look, not to stand on, stand on, on, on a soapbox, but um, I don't care if you don't believe in global warming, but don't tell me about it now because uh, it, the, the, the earth is getting hotter in Australia. These fires started in September, which is very, very early. Uh, we typically have them in the southern summer and they, they're, they're sort of January, February, maybe into March. So they've just been burning for such a long time, and it's it's such a tragic story. Um, you know, the, the there's 70. I think it's actually not 70. It's probably like 90, 90 plus percent of the firefighters who are out there battling those bushfires are volunteers, uh, just hmm. guys and and men and women who just leave their jobs and go and do it. Um, you know, and it's it's you know there's people losing their lives. And it's just it's a very sad situation. So, say a prayer. Uh, say a prayer for us, Canada. Is is something planned for when things are finally under control to to celebrate the the first responders to to celebrate the lives of the victims uh, to raise money? Are they going to 
schedule like a, a massive concert or a fundraiser or anything that you've heard of? I, I don't know, but I, I, I suspect there'll be lots of things, and 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 it's been ongoing. I mean, we've had uh, we've had a lot of uh, events like that. We've had a tremendous outpouring from the rest of the world uh, in terms of uh, sending money and and resources, and we've got American American firefighters down there right now. Um, so it's you know the the world has opened its arms, and uh, uh, I'm. Sure that uh, there will be plenty of opportunities for that, but you know, right now there's 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 fires to fight, so they're they're out there doing uh, doing their their bit, and um, you know, I tip my hat to them. When, on a lighter note, when you return home, do you ever think I'm just staying? I'm not going back. And yeah, you've got a wife and you've got kids. <laughs> but do you ever think I, you know what? I'm just going to stay here. I'll disappear. Hard to leave Australia. I, I, I will. I will tell you that it is difficult to leave Australia. Um, there is a. There is a. There's a great story I read years ago uh, about Bear Bryant. This is a little circuitous, but it's a podcast, so we got time. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> so Bear Bryant was coaching in uh, at Texas A&M, and had taken him, and I think they went seven and three or something, and um, they were going to go to a big bowl game and. And then uh, Alabama was playing, had played, had a, had a bad season, a losing season, and so the the university had asked him uh, to if he would go back to Alabama. And a lot of people thought he wouldn't because that program was on the on you know heading south, and he he created Texas A and M into something good. And and he said, well, of course I'm going back. And uh, and the, and he was in an interview, and the guy said, "Well, you know, why why did you choose to?" And he said, "Well, you know, when you're a little boy and you you're out playing in the field, and your your mama comes to the porch and she calls you in for dinner, well, mama called, and I always feel that when I'm in Australia, like uh, I feel that uh, that that pull. So yeah, it's a it's a great place. I know you guys know that." Um, but I, um, I love that the, the I, I Canadians, only, by the way, are get along pretty well for a reason. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've heard Fucking Aussies right. and Canadians are uh, very similar. We get along very well. I've never, I, I honestly, I've never met a Canadian I don't like. You know, it, it, there, there. We just have well, a very similar mentality. Producer Tim, so. Robert, you can be <laughs> well, honest. Yeah. You know what? I can't believe you said <laughs> producer Tim. <'cause, laughs> Loveliest guy. I'm sure there's probably a Canadian I don't like, but you know, no, I like producer Tim. Of course, I do. I mean, you know how but, small um, this world is. Whip, who you mentioned, it's his birthday. Make sure you give us a, a, a big birthday, happy birthday from us. He is friends with the Rec Laws, uh, a country group that plays our Thursday night football theme here on TSN. Uh, what are the odds? The world is so small. The odds. The odds. Are, well, he's from Cambridge, so you know. Exactly. I mean, he knows. He knows people. He knows people. He's also friends, by the way, with your your mate Jory Toolsy, which right. is incredible. I mean, you grew up with him and a guy that a guy that uh, Jay uh, and he's out here now. Yeah, Jay and Jory one day moved a bunch of stuff from my house while I went to a doctor's appointment with my then pregnant wife, and then oh, two weeks ago you sent us a picture of Jory at the compound with you guys. Like the odds are astronomical. Yeah, don't was, don't yeah, let me get don't. into. Don't get me into that. <laughs> day when I was told that there was going to be a bunch of people there moving and then I showed up and there was me and one other guy and Dan 
left. <laughs> I should Let have known this is like what I'm I was in for for the rest of my life. Moving. The first, the first name in my head is not Jay Onright. No, that, that was the that was the last call I ever took for a move. That was not how Toolsy. How many people did you call first? Um, I called a bunch. The three other people didn't show up. Yeah, <laughs> three of them didn't show up. Are yeah. they from Peterborough? Yes, they are, and Milton, <laughs> and Milton. <laughs> Unbelievable! All right, you guys are making whip laugh. Well, that's uh, good. That's that's the goal. Uh, he 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 sends his best, and uh, I'm glad to see you. Uh, you guys are, are still doing uh, a sterling job on the uh, television sets in the Great North. We uh, we love doing it and we love having you on, buddy. We're gonna let you go. Uh, go have a good time. Maybe uh, I don't know. Maybe you'll make your way into WeHo, and uh, who knows what kind of trouble you two will get in down there. No, you guys need to go to Marina Del Rey. WeHo tonight. <laughs> Marina Del Rey. Maybe make Marina it Del Rey. Tulsi. We'll go to Sullivan in honor of you, and I'll right. I'll tell the guy that. Tulsi loves this story, but there was a guy. There was a guy doing a, a, a comedian doing an act. I thought it was an open mic, so I'm like, kind of critiquing him as he goes, and he looks at me, he goes, "I'm being paid for this. Do you, yeah. you understand? I'm being paid to be here." The way it was, like, like the guy was like, "Hey, you ever uh, gro- go to a grocery store?" Robert's like, "Yeah, I was at the grocery store today." Uh, the guy's like, uh, "I'm trying to do a bit here, buddy." Yeah, he was trying to. He, uh, I just got. I uh, really got in the way. I thought he was looking for some some notes, you know. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I was so. thinking before and that let's Tulsi's one and only time at a um, international house of pancakes. That's right. We went to the hop after that. Rob, I was talking about you the other day before I let you go because I was at a restaurant with my wife and I looked at the menu and I said, you know what? I'm going to ask them if they can make me something off the menu. And then I said. This reminds me of my friend Robert Lucetich, who every single restaurant I ever went to with Robert Lucetich, he would say to the waitress, you know, I'm not really feeling what you have here on the menu. Could you have the chef whip me up, say, a Dover sole with like a nice cream sauce? Could he do that? And the waiter would be like, no, like we don't, we don't no, have that. Actually, like that's not. we can't do that for you at all. Sir, no, this no. is IHOP. I, 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 listen, forgive my, uh, uh, the great thing is that at IHOP, they will do it. They will do it. I still can't I believe like it. Those eggs poached, I remember going to that IHOP, first time I've ever been to one, and the last time I've ever been to one. We were there, what, 2.33 in the morning. There's families in there. I'm like, what? What about that family that showed up? Like, two kids, they were like 10 years old. I'm like, who is in here eating breakfast at 2 o'clock in the morning with their, with their wife and their two kids? Like, what is going on here? Uh, probably oh, just got LA's off. It's a strange place, as you guys know. It yeah. is a strange place. Okay, thanks, Robert. Good talking to you, my friend. All right, you got it, guys. Okay. Take care, boys. See ya. That's Robert Lucetich. Uh, what's his Twitter handle? I think it's at Lucetich, I think. Oh, or is it? Or I could be wrong about that. I'll look it up here. You should look it up. He's a great follow, actually. It's at, at Robert Lucetich. At Robert Lucetich, spelled to Robert, standard way, L-U-S-E-T-I-C-H. Robert Lucetich. Um, yeah, very interesting go. guy. Uh, we spent a month with him in Russia once. <laughs> 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 All right, ladies and gentlemen, this has been a blast. Now, next week, we have, Dan, a major announcement. Major. And I'm not joking about this, because I know I sound like a sarcastic even when I'm being serious. 
but I am being serious. Big announcement next week. Big. I can't wait. Is it a baby reveal? It could be a gender <laughs> reveal. You'll have to listen to find out. Talk to you then. Come on, it'll be fun. They're going home. The Jay and Dan Podcast. James Duffy presents the Rubber Boots Podcast. So we're sitting down at our table. The, the waiter comes up and he's like profusely sweating. And this is like 100% his first line to us. He goes, Hello, I am not well. I'm very ill. <laughs> You yeah. ate there? I came down with it yesterday. I've just not been good. Not good at all. Get it at tsn.ca and anywhere you get your podcasts.